thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. The comparison between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Now, that what I want you to understand is the New Covenant doesn't trump the Old Covenant. Okay, They're still very much a part of each other. It's not that, that the new one came around and the old one disappeared. Okay, That's not, that's not the point. Okay, Today, we're looking at entering the covenant, okay? And, and, and the covenant is your relationship with Jesus Christ. The new covenant was established through Jesus' death on the cross. It, the curtain was torn, and we now have access to the Holy of Holies through Jesus, okay? It's what he did for us. That means, as Scripture says, we can do as great a things or greater than he did. Okay, that, that's incredible when you think about it, okay? And you do that because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. If you are sitting here today and you are born again, you've been redeemed, there's been a time in your life where you have prayed and received Jesus Christ and invited him in your heart, he's come in and saved you, you are in a new covenant with Christ, that's you and Jesus. We as a church are in that same covenant with Christ, okay? Now, the new covenant has power because of the Holy Spirit of God. I think sometimes about Moses. And, and, and you wonder when you get to heaven and you seek Moses out and you say, Moses, i got to ask you, dude, what was it like on Mount Sinai to have God come in your presence and write on tablets the Ten Commandments, give them to you, and then you go read them. What was that like? I think he would simply say, no, that pales in comparison. I want you to tell me what it was like not to have God speak to me, but to have God live in me. Don't you think our story probably trumps his? Because I'm going to tell you, as cool as all those Old Testament stories were, of Moses and, and, and Noah and Abraham and all those guys. Do you under, do, can you get your finite little peanut around the fact that those guys had God speak from them outwardly? And we, <laughs> on this side of the cross, have Jesus Christ speaking in us inside. He lives in us. He walks with us. Every step we take, we take with him. Everything about Jesus through the Holy Spirit of God is in us. Dude, if you're a wet pretzel today, I'm sorry. But that's your choice. Because you've got all the power you ever wanted living inside of you. If your life is depressing, then, then you're choosing that. Because, dude, you, if you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. You have power. Just look at your wife and say, honey, I got power. She, she's like, you're dreaming. But, but you got power, all right? Now, whether you're exercising that power, I don't know. Whether she lets you exercise that power, I don't know. But you got power, okay? We're going to do some marriage counseling next week. I can tell already. I'm just setting up my schedule. Uh, but, but here's the deal. I want you to understand something. You guys have got power. If you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you got power. Power. You're no longer, he's no longer from the outside in. He is inside of you. Is that incredible? 
I mean, and when we talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit of God lives in us, sometimes that sounds kind of weird, and so we don't say it because we don't freak people out. Maybe they need freaked out. You seen this world? I'm freaked out by some of the stuff I see. Why not tell them? I have the Holy Spirit of God living in me, and I got power. They won't even go down the aisle you're on in Walmart. That's okay. That would be great, wouldn't it? Whole aisle by yourself, all right? I could get done in half the time. All right, so just go ahead and announce that when you go in. All right, hey, look in John chapter 9 real quick. Well, look in 9 because I'm going to read from 10. How about that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing 9 later. All right, John 10. John 10. We're talking about entering the new covenant, okay? Look at verse 7. Begin there, John 10, 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who enter, all who ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Watch this. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Mm. Green pastures, according to Psalms 23. Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Let me read them again. The thief comes to what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. But watch what Jesus does. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He came so we could have life to the full. So if you're saved today, if you've been redeemed today, if you've been born again today, here's the question on the table. Is my life full? Is it? Because some of y'all are thinking question number two, why not? He says that he has come so that your life may be full. Some scriptures will say abundant. Wow, am I walking today in the abundance of the Lord? Because if I'm not, then something is either destroying it, killing it, or robbing me. And his name would be what? The enemy. Because Jesus said, in my new covenant that you have entered through Jesus Christ when you got saved, I'm giving you life more abundantly. Everything at my disposal, all my promises according to Scripture are yes, amen for you. So you should walk in that abundance. Are we walking in that abundance today, in the fullness of him? I want you to see two things today. When you enter the covenant, we are entering the covenant wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Now, there's a phrase that my granddad used to say a lot. Not going to say that, okay? But when you do things halfway, it's just not good. Anything in life, some of y'all are like, I know what he used to say, all right? He used to say it all the time, okay? It's half a donkey, okay? So, so, but he didn't say donkey. So what I'm saying is you can't do things that way. When you're in, you're in. Let me ask you guys, when you married your wife, were you in wholeheartedly or what? I mean, I was, I, I was so done in. I mean, in. 
I'm still in. We celebrated a couple days ago, 21 years. I'm as in today as I was 21 years ago. I promise you. I used to drive to school when I could get my schedule to work just to see her. Now, I got a couple speeding tickets going there, but that's, that's a good reason to get tickets. I mean, they're not good reasons to get tickets, but going to see your future wife is probably one of them. I couldn't get there quick enough, okay? And I knew that was a, a police trap. I knew that, okay? But it really didn't matter because I was very focused and in wholeheartedly, okay? And so what happens is when Jesus, when you enter the new covenant, the question today is, are you in wholeheartedly? Because when you're in wholeheartedly, I just want you to know something. It sometimes interferes with life. There's sometimes some choices have to be made. Look at the phrase on the back of the bulletin. A love relationship with God is not merely an accessory to our lives. It is our lives. Mm. Church in America today. Jesus is not an add-on to your life. He is your life. If you get nothing else today, just get that. Just get that. It'll set you free. You'll be different. Because what we do is we plan our week, we plan our day, we plan our life, we plan our schedule, we plan our family, plan our career, and then we say, Jesus, here's where you fit. And that's all. But don't get any bigger Because I don't have a bigger box. This is where you fit. You're neatly arranged on my shelf. Please stay there until called upon. And don't be messing with stuff. Okay? We'll go to church when it's convenient, and we'll do other things the church wants us to do or what you lead us to do when it's convenient. But I'm not making arrangements and sacrifices for you at all. Okay? I understand the cross. Don't be so pushy, though. You don't push, and I'll give you more if I want to. But otherwise, you mind your business, and I'll mind my business. That's not Jesus. That's not him at all. When he comes in, and we enter into that relationship with him, in in that that relationship, we come in wholeheartedly. Mike, Mickey, and I have lots of lunches together, and the number one word we talk about most lunches is surrender. Surrender. Now, we're doing that over a surrendered cow steak at Logan's a lot of times. That might be what motivated us to talk about that because that cow gave everything for what we're just eating right here. But understand something. That's what God calls us to do. We just sing about it. I surrender all. It's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to live it. It's nice to sing it in here. Climate control, good lighting, lots of people that agree with us. We sing it all together. Kumbaya, hold hands, pass the pizza. I mean, this is nice in here, okay? But out there, can you do that? We're not graded in here. Graded out there. I'm sorry. That's the mission field. And Jesus is all about missions. It's not our grade in here. This is nice, okay? But it's out there. When you look at your life, and I'm just talking about you, have you truly surrendered everything? Because if you're ever going to have John 10.10 experienced in your life, you must surrender. You will not live in the fullness of Christ without a surrendered life. You will not.
I'm just going to tell you right now. You'll be a good life. It'll be a nice life. It'll be a sweet life. But you will not see the fullness of God until you surrender. Until you get on that altar and you die. And then you let Him do incredible things through your life. Second point is this. If you're going to enter the covenant, you will enter by faith. Look at Matthew 13, 58. He did not do miracles there because of their lack of faith. (laughs) Wow. He did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I want to invite I want to invite a friend of mine up here. Hugh, come on up, brother. If you don't know Hugh Daniels, I'm sorry. But don't leave today without meeting him. Hugh, 86? 86 in July. And that dude got more spunk than a 26-year-old. He hauls four-wheelers to the mountains of Arkansas every year and beats his grandsons all over that mountain. They can't hang with him. He tells me every time, Jeff, they still can't hang with me. 86 in July. Hugh never misses men's group on Wednesday night. Never. And those guys show up, and Hugh's not there, and I think they'll chase him down. Go find him. But I, I want Hugh to share a little bit about his life and about an experience that took place in his life. And, um, and I just want you to listen to him and, and, and just be blessed today. Okay, just be blessed today. Hugh, let me get you a seat, brother. This is yours. I know you know what to do with this. You're ready to go, buddy. Okay. When you're 86, I'll get you something to sit on. Okay? <laughs> Otherwise, you get to stand also. All right? I can't stand very long, but I can sit on a four-wheeler a good while. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm a Methodist minister. I pastored in the Methodist church for 42 years. I've been retired for 21 years. I uh, came from a Methodist family. My father was a Methodist minister. I have a brother that was a Methodist minister. And uh, so I'm your resident Methodist preacher here. Uh, I've been attending here a couple of years and uh, really enjoy and appreciate this church. Uh, I'm getting acquainted and it's good to get to know people and uh, I uh, really enjoy being here. I uh, grew up in the Methodist church in the Methodist parsonage. Uh, but I grew up with the understanding that if you were good, you went to heaven, and if you were bad, you went to hell. And so I tried to be good, and I tried to do all the right things, and and I became very religious, Uh, but I didn't know Jesus. And, uh, but I felt like I ought to do something worthwhile with my life, so I decided to be a preacher. And... I 
went to McMurray College in Abilene and then to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, got a master's degree, uh, divinity degree from SMU, and uh, it was very liberal education. Uh, in fact, they distributed more doubt than they did faith. And so I uh, was with the with the education that I had, I uh, I didn't buy everything they taught me, but uh, I bought enough of it that it caused me problems. And so I went out and started uh, my ministry. My brother was in school at the same time I was. He he had been off in World War II, and so we were in school at the same time. He was a few years older than me, and uh, we got out the same year and started pastoring churches. And about two and a half years after we had gotten out, he called me one day and said, Hugh said the most wonderful things happened to me. Said, oh, said, said you know, said I surrendered everything to the Lord and said, I'm just so thrilled, and and he went on and on about it, and I thought, man, he's gone off the deep end. Uh, he said, I want to get together with you and talk, tell you about it. So, we were going to some lectures at the same place down at down at Abilene, and so I said, well, I'll see you down there. So, we got together down there, and he started. He said, I've been reading this book about surrendering everything to the Lord, and said. I uh, I prayed about it and prayed about it and worked on it and finally surrendered everything to the Lord and and said, I got this wonderful feeling. And he said, uh, don't you want to do this? And I said, well, I, I guess. Uh, I wasn't very enthusiastic about it, but we started praying. He says, anything you think of that might stand between you and the Lord, we'll pray about it. Well, there wasn't any of this bad stuff. I mean, I didn't have to deal with that because uh, I wasn't doing the bad stuff. But it was the good things. Uh, like, like would I surrender to go as a missionary if that's what Lord wanted me to do? Or uh, would I use my money any way he wanted me to use it? Or would I quit doing anything that, that good things, but would I quit if God wanted me to quit, like going fishing? You know, I love to fish, and that was a problem, you know, to say, Lord, if you don't want me to fish anymore, I won't do it. And uh, so I prayed and prayed and prayed and kept thinking of other things and stayed up all night praying and asking and trying to get my will in line with God's will for my life. And so I uh, prayed. The sun was just nearly up when I said, I'm quitting. And so I quit and, and because I kept trying to get the feeling that my brother got. And it's not by feeling, it's by faith. And I... Uh, got up to I, I took a nap for two or three hours and then I got up and I said I'm going home we I didn't even go to the lectures that we were there to attend I went home well that next Sunday I got up 
I, I was getting ready to get up to preach, and something kept saying to me, tell them what happened to you. Tell them what happened to you. And I thought, I can't do that. They'll think I'm crazy if I stayed up and prayed all night. Uh, and <clears throat> because I'd been taught in seminary, you don't tell people that sort of thing, <laughs> even if you did it. And uh, so I, I thought, well, I'll, I, I got up and read the scripture, and this feeling just kept going, and I found I shoved my notes back on the end of my Bible, and I said, I want to tell y'all what happened to my brother Wesley. <laughs> and, That's halfway there, Hugh. Uh, Partway. <laughs> so I... I started telling what happened to Wesley, and when it got to where he called me, and I, and so I told what happened to me. And when I told it, I realized it happened. I had surrendered everything to the Lord, and I had gotten my will in line with his. And, and then I got the feeling. I got a feeling of great joy. Hmm. And the, I can't sing worth a hoot, but... Uh, the song that says, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. I thought, my soul is singing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I had surrendered everything to the Lord, and, and then I started trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation, not in being good enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I started trusting in him, and, and it, it made all the difference, and I, I just felt so different than I had before. Well, I was born again, so that made a big difference. Uh, mm. And uh, I had missed all this all the way up until uh, till then. And about, about two years later, my brother and I were going to a pastor's retreat together, and we were riding along, and he said, I've been reading a book about great preachers of the past and said all of them claim to have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, what do you know about that? I said, I don't know anything about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, I said, what do you know? He said, I don't know anything about it. Here we were, two people with master's degrees and didn't know anything about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that's, that's the baptism that Jesus gives you. And so it's pretty important. And uh, so we went to this retreat, and I, there was a man there who was in charge of one of the sessions, and I thought, he knows what it is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'll talk to him about it. And so I went up afterwards, and I said, Jordan, do you know what it is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? And he says, I sure do. I said, tell me about it. And he started telling me about it. And I said, oh, that's what happened to me. Yeah. I didn't even know what happened to me. And so my brother and I started trying to seek to everything that the Lord had for us. I mean, we, we wanted all the fruit of the Spirit in our lives love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We wanted all that. We, we wanted any of the gifts of the Spirit that he would give us. We started praying for, that he would give us special gifts for ministry. 
Well, my brother got the gift of tongues. And uh, I was kind of jealous because I didn't know I'd gotten anything. And so I, I was praying about receiving gifts. And I got a little phrase one night that, that was, oh, maybe 10, 12 words. I don't know. But anyway, I didn't know what it meant. And so I got this little phrase, and, and I, but I kept on praying about getting the gift of tongues and, and other gifts, any gift, because God doesn't give any bad gifts. They're all good. Mm-hmm. And so I asked the Lord to, to give me these gifts, and we went to a retreat not long after that. And at that retreat, the guy that was in charge of our small group said, anybody want any, anything special, pray about anything special? And I said, yeah, uh, I'd like to give tongues. And he said, well, get down here and we'll pray about it. So we knelt down with him, and we started praying. And, and he says, pray anything comes to you. It's not English. And I said, I said my little phrase. And he says, you got it. I said, no, that's all I got. He said, I don't care if it's just one word. If you don't know what it means, it's tongues. (laughs) So I said, well, okay. He said, I tell you, take that home and use it and see what happens. So not long after I got back home, my wife had to have surgery, and she had to have a kneecap removed. And so they went in and took the kneecap together, and then they pulled those leaders together and tied them together and put a cast on her leg. And she was doing fine for a couple of days. They kept you in the hospital longer back then. And, and about the time we thought she was going to get to go home, she started hurting terribly, just crying with it. It was so bad. And so they, they came in. They said, we're going to knock her out. Well, they, they x-rayed it, couldn't see anything wrong. They cut the top of the cast out, checked it, and put it back. Didn't find anything wrong. They said, well, we're going to knock her out for 48 hours and see uh, if that'll stop it. Well, they knocked her out for 48 hours. She slept all that time. And then, see, uh, when she woke up, though, late one afternoon, she started crying and praying and she was just miserable, and I thought, well, and, and she covered her head up, pulled a sheet up over her head, and she was saying, oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, Lord, I need help. Oh, I can't stand this, and it was terrible. And so I thought, well, I'm not, I'm, I've got to go call the doctor. So I got up, I, was in, I had my shoes off, and it's on a tile floor, so she didn't even know I was moving around. I went out in the hall and started down at the nurse's station, and I thought, well, I hadn't prayed yet. I ought to go back in there and pray. So I went back in, and uh, she still had her head covered up. I walked over and put my hand on, on her knee on that cast, so she didn't even know I was there. And I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud, I said my little phrase, she threw the cover off her face and looked up and said, what happened? I said, I don't know what happened. What, what do you mean? She said, I quit hurting. And I said, well, let's have a prayer and praise the Lord for it. Mm-hmm. And so we praised the Lord and thanked him for letting her quit hurting. Mm-hmm. 
she was, was all right. So I said, you go to sleep, I'm going home. And so I left her and went home. And uh, so the next day I got there and the doctor had released her and we, we went, we were going to go home and she got in the back seat with her legs across the seat and sitting crossways and and so we was going down the road and she said oh 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 it's starting it's hurting again I reached around put my hand on her leg and I prayed the little phrase again and she said oh it quit it left and that's the last time she had that problem well right after that our youth group was meeting at our our parsonage and we had a young man in the in the youth group who uh was getting ready to go to regional track meet. He had one of the best times in state in the half mile. And so he he was there at our house and our kids had uh and by the way my, my daughter's sitting right back there, Dawn Riley. Mm -hmm. Uh but our kids had a one of these balls that you sit on that had a handle on it and you could bounce on it. Hippie hop. Uh yeah. And he and so he decided to try it out, and he was way too big for it, and he bounced, and he came over and hit on both knees and, and hurt his knees real bad. Well, I didn't see it, but some of the kids came and told me that he was hurting real bad. And so I went in where he was. He was sitting in a chair, and this time I, I put my hands on his knees, and I prayed my little phrase, and he jumped up and says, I'm okay and ran outside well it was dark i went out there looking for him and i couldn't see him anywhere and i walked around walked out in the road he wasn't anywhere to be seen and about this time i hear him coming back down the road running as hard as he can saying hallelujah praise the lord hallelujah bless jesus i'm i'm all right <laughs> well that young man went on in one state got a track scholarship to Baylor University and uh, went to school there. And by the way, he's a minister today. He reaches down in Lubbock, an uh, independent church. Hmm. Um, but the, the fact that I surrendered everything to the Lord and said, I want my will to be in line with your will mm -hmm. is what started all this. Mm -hmm. And, and I was, Baptized with Holy Spirit, and by the way, you Baptists might like to know that I was baptized in the Jordan River by immersion in 1980. <laughs> that take care of that, huh? Thank you, Hugh. Hugh's a great brother. I wanted him to tell that story. Uh, he told that on a Wednesday night in men's group. See, I was going to help him, but. He's not used to that, so uh, he told that to a men's group. And some of y'all know Jim Kuyper, and uh, Kuyper was there, and Kuyper had, as he says, I've given so much money to chiropractors, they about made me poor. Now, if you're a chiropractor, I, I apologize, and I'm sorry, and I love you, and that's not the point here. But, but he says he's done. And so he said, I don't, I don't really get into all this stuff, and I don't, have an, I, I don't have any idea what Hugh was talking about, but man, I just, 
I'm just crazy enough to ask him to pray over me. Can we, before we leave, can, can he pray over me? Because Jim's knees are terrible. He's had six knee surgeries, needs a seventh, and his back is atrocious. When he drives, he has to spin his whole body around to look, uh, blind spots. And he can't move his neck at, heart, at all. And he goes to all these chiropractors, they do nothing for him. And he said, I just tell him it's better because I don't want to embarrass him in front of him. And so he said, I just give my money and tell him I'm feeling okay. So Hugh comes over and lays his hands on Kuiper right there in that room. And all these men get around him and they pray over Jim. And, and Hugh says that phrase again. And I want you to know something, that Jim Kuiper acted like a kid at a candy store. He was acting so silly, jumping up and down, squatting. He was running around the church telling youth all kind of stuff. He's spinning around. I saw him at Oyster uh, at the uh, at Scott's Oyster Bar. Uh, Andrews and I was eating. He's in there going, "Hey, what are y'all doing over there?" Just dancing his neck all around. I mean, he's like a kid. And I wanted him to come and share, but he's on his way back from Lubbock and, and tell me I'm not going to make it. But tell my story. But here's the deal. He said I didn't believe in all that humble jumble stuff and but but when Hugh said that he said I I respect Hugh Daniels and if Hugh Daniels said it I want him to pray for me and so I'm not I know there's a lot of stuff out there about the Holy Spirit and 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 Hugh always says he is a charismatic Methodist and and that that cracks me up because those are two different perspectives there but but Hugh is just a spirit-filled man of God and in the church today, it's so, it's so crazy in the church today because in just a little bit, we'll have baptism. And I will say, I baptize you, my brother, our sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, we do two-thirds of the Trinity really well as a church. We really do. We're all about God the Father. We have no... We have, we, we're very comfortable with God the Father. We can explain it. We can show it in Scripture, all this stuff. And we're really good with the Son because we know about Jesus and the cross and all that other stuff. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes on our behalf. And we're good there. But we get to the third part of the Trinity when it talks about the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, the church today doesn't understand the Holy Spirit. And don't understand what the Holy Spirit does. And because of that... Uh, we shy away from it sometimes. And we've seen so much of the somersaults down the aisle and jumping over pews and the snake handling rattlesnake guy that we're all freaked out going, dude, that is weird stuff. I don't know part of this Holy Spirit. We have run from the Holy Spirit because we don't understand the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit does things that we cannot explain. And I'm going to tell you, there are many men that stand where I stand in churches today that if you can't explain it, they don't want you to tell about it in church, or they don't want it to happen in church. And when you get to the point in your life where God only does explainable things in your life, you've got a sad, sad life. I mean, is that the fullness of God or what? Is that the abundant life in John 10, 10? He says, I'm the gatekeeper, my sheep know my voice, and, and, and that I've come to give you life and give it to you in the full. When you don't allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, you're not living your life to the fullness. And you say, well, I don't, I don't know about all that. I'm not asking you to know about it. If you know about it, you're God. You don't need God. I, you're not supposed to know about it. It is okay 
for us as a church and you as a little church to have God do things in your life and you go, I don't know what just happened, but I just know that was God. I just know it was God. In John 9, there's a dude that's been blind since life. Blind since life. Okay? He was born blind. And the Pharisee said, who sinned? His parents or the boy? Who sinned? The boy or his parents? And Jesus said, I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. And then he spit on the ground, and he made little mud packs. And he stuck them on his eye. And he said, go wash in that pool. He went and washed in the pool. And he came back, and he could see. And the Pharisee's like, oh, that's it. That's it. Get a rope. Get a rope. I'm done with this guy. And they wanted to get him. And they said, hey, here's the deal, man. You performing miracles on the Sabbath. We ain't doing that. Mm-mm. Ain't doing that. And, hey, and you hanging out with sinners? Mm-mm, not doing that either. That's two things we got against you. We're about to take you out. And so they call the guy in, the boy in. He doesn't want to talk about it. Well, they go back again debating whether or not to get Jesus and nail him on the Sabbath and whatever else. And then they summoned him again. The boy comes back, and he said, hey, what's the deal here? He, he healed you on the Sabbath. He spit on the ground. He put mud and stuck him on the what, that's I don't get out. What's, what in the world? I don't, what is the deal on us? And the, and the boy looked at them and said, I don't know what happened, but all I know is this. I was once blind, and now I see. And he walked off. <laughs> That's thinking cool. Okay? I don't know the phrase that Hugh prayed over his wife. I don't need to know the phrase that Hugh prayed. I don't need to know why she got hot. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know she pulled the blanket off her head. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that she was hurting again in the back seat and he reached back, put his hand on his leg, on her leg, and, and prayed that phrase. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know what the phrase means when he prayed it over Jim Kuyper and Jim Kuyper danced around like a kid. All right? I don't know that. Okay? I don't need to know that. But all I know is he was once could not walk without hurting, and now he can walk. I know he once couldn't move his neck, and now he moves his neck. Okay? That's all I need to know. He said, well, you need to be able to uh, d- 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 decipher that. No, I do not. No, I do not. Because God can be God without permission from me. And God can do miracles without my permission. And, and, and some of us are missing the fullness of God because we've let God get to a certain point and we say, I, no, I don't go for all this stuff here. This crosses the line. Crosses your line or God's line. Because for some of us, we have not moved in our spiritual walk with Christ in many, many, many years. God's not doing anything fresh, anything new. He's not doing anything in our life at all. Our testimonies about God are 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years old. I am so sorry because my God does not have dust on him, does not. And he ought to be doing something fresh and new every single day. And for some of us, the Holy Spirit is scaring us to death, and we're scared to step out and get all the fullness of God. We're, we're scared to be bold. We're scared to step out. We're scared to, right in the middle of a group, say, let's just pray for him. You're scared to walk up to somebody you know is hurting at the store and just say, I want to pray over you. 
I want to pray for you. You're afraid and not bold enough at restaurants when waitresses and waiters come and serve you a meal, and all you do is gripe about what they're not doing instead of saying life from their perspective. And when you get ready to pray over your meal, say, is there anything in your life that I can pray with you about? My friends, every bit of that is Holy Spirit, every bit of it. It's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit seeing, letting you see things you haven't seen before. Some of us need to be a little more uncomfortable. We need to be made uncomfortable because we've been too comfortable too long, too long. And that's why you're not seeing the fullness of Christ. It's not that you're not saved. It's that you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to fully take over your life and do amazing things in and through you. And I'm simply asking you today as your pastor, take a bold step in that direction. Some of us are so reserved and so tight that we need to carry a bottle of WD-40 with us and, and squeeze it every time we squeak. You've got to stop squeaking religion. And you've got to start being more in love and passionate and spirit-filled than you are. Because you have everything you need in you. You've been saved and baptized. You've been born again. So you have Jesus in that new covenant and that relationship and the Holy Spirit of God. You've got all the Holy Spirit you ever wanted. You're not, not using it. Every bit of it. And so for us as a church, I want us to get to a point. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying... We need to be a church that walks around, jumps pews, and we're going to bring some rattlesnakes in next Sunday, and we're going to do somersaults, and we're going to start all speaking. into. No, I'm not asking that. I'm just saying to you as a church, it is time for the church of God to truly be the church of God. Truly. And if it's in here and we claim to be people of the book, then let's be people of the book and not proof text what we like to do and we can do. Let's just be people of the book. Because Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life more abundantly. I'm just asking today, are you having life more abundantly? Because some of your faces say, nope. No. Because if you're truly saved, you need to tell your face. Because some of us need to tell our face, and the reason our faith says that is because our life has been stuck in neutral with God for about 20 years, and we got nothing new to talk about. Nothing new. I want something to happen this week in your life that you can't explain. Are you, are you brave enough to pray that prayer? God, I want you to do something in my life today through the Holy Spirit this week. I want you to do something in my life this week through the Holy Spirit that I can't explain. I cannot explain. Cannot explain. Guys, there are miracles all around us every single day. Every single day. Some of you know Wade and Emmy Mitchell. They're in our church. Their son, uh, Carson, uh, the, he was riding with a friend on a uh, kind of a go-kart looking thing, and they spun too quick, and he fell out of it, and he tried to catch himself with his right arm, and he shattered the arm. I'm not, I'm not talking about broke it. I mean shattered the thing. Seven breaks, Okay. He's had probably, I don't know how many surgeries, Paxton, 10 at least. At least about two months ago this happened, okay? This kid was a phenomenal quarterback, could throw the football like crazy. He said, man, 
I don't know if you're ever going to play football again. You probably won't ever be able to do any sports ever again. You sure won't be able to throw the football again. Well, I could take out my phone right now, and we could pop it up on the screen, but yesterday afternoon, he threw the football, not just threw a football, not a dead quail flopping everywhere. I'm talking a spiral. I mean, a, a laser just zipped it to his dad about six times right in his front yard. Two months after that, and all you need to say right there is, praise the Lord. You just stand there in awe. Because I'm going to tell you, in, in the midst of all the statements that said you can't, God said, I, yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. And I'm about to show it to you. Guys, we have got to get more bold and believe. Because I'm going to say something to you. It's in the, I wrote it down. Prolonged doubt. What, look at this. Prolonged doubt becomes unbelief. Mm, boy. Woo. Prolonged doubt becomes unbelief. Is that you today? Is that you? You say, it's not that I don't believe in God. Oh, really? Well, you're not asking him for anything. Well, I just doubt. Oh, oh, really? So your doubt has become unbelief. That's why you don't even ask. I believe in prayer. I need prayer. Will you ask anybody to pray for you? No. I don't even understand that statement. I believe in prayer. I need prayer, but I'm not asking for prayer. It's time for us to stop doubting and believe. It's time for us to step out like Hugh did. He didn't know what to do. He just did it. He just did it. This morning, do you need to take that next step in your boldness with the Lord? Yeah, you're good with the Father, and you're good with the Son, but you have totally taken one-third of the Trinity out of your life. Out of your, that's out of your life. Don't even, I don't even think about the Holy Spirit. It's part of the Trinity. It's part of who we are. You have the power in you. Power in you. This morning, as we enter a time of invitation, it's simple. You may be here today, and it may be time for you to really get serious about your walk with Christ. And you say, it is time for me to start believing in the fullness of God. That God still does miracles. And God, through the Holy Spirit, has power in my life. Maybe you're here today and you need prayer. I'm talking need prayer. You know you need prayer. You want people to lay hands on you and pray for you. And don't be spooked by that. Okay, if, if, if I don't like people touching me, and I sure don't like a guy touching me. Well, we won't touch you. We'll just pray for you, okay? And we'll take a mint first so we don't have bad breath. Because some people say, I don't want people praying for me. i got bad breath. Well, we'll take mints, okay? But don't use any excuse man gets up there. But if you need prayer, you come this morning, okay? Don't be scared to move. Hugh went where first? He was going to protocol. Go get a doctor because my wife is hurting. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, Mm-mm. you turn around, spirit-filled child of mine, and you go back and you lay hands on your wife and you pray for her. And then you go get a doctor. And he turned around and went and laid a hand on his wife, and he prayed for her. And she stopped hurting. Some of you need to move at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let me pray for you. Father God, this morning... I thank you for the testimony of Hugh. And God, there are times in our lives we're not here to you know, debate whether you know, I prayed God didn't do anything, 
they died. I prayed, God healed them. That's not us. That's, that's your business. Our job is to be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God and be prompted by the Holy Spirit and ask in power for that. And so, God, this morning, we don't, we don't any longer as a church want to be people of doubt. We want to be a people of belief. And so, God, I pray that you will move us today. For some of us, some individuals in here, God, we have just totally been stuck in neutral in our walk with the Lord. God, you're not doing anything fresh and new in our life, and we so desperately need that. And for many of us, it's because we're just not walking in the Spirit. We're just not. We haven't asked you to fill us fresh and new with the Holy Spirit of God. We haven't relied on your power. We haven't asked for your power and stepped in that power and prayed in that power. None of that. This morning, Father, there's some people in this room that really need to take the next step in their walk with Christ. God, there's some people in this room that really need prayer. They need some brothers and sisters to pray over them. So, Father, I pray you allow them to step out in faith today, believing, and allow some people to agree with them in spirit and pray over you. Father, there may be families here this morning looking for a church home. God, I pray that during this invitation time, you'd lead them here. But, God, whatever you want to do this morning, During this invitation time, it's your invitation. It's your invite to us. God, I pray that we would would take that invite this morning. And we would step out and move for the kingdom. God, he could not do miracles because of their unbelief. May it not be said of us. May it not be said of us. God, move us now. For on the other side of obedience is always blessing. May we bless ourselves today by moving today. In Jesus' name.